Welcome to the Rare Faith Podcast, where the solution to every problem is only an idea away, and where the same activity with just a little more awareness always yields better results. Award-winning, best-selling author, Leslie Householder, brings some of her best information to this inspiring series of life-changing episodes that you won't want to miss. Show notes for this episode can be found at ararekindoffaith.com. Thanks so much. It is really great to be back. I am excited to have all of you here back on the call. Some of you may miss the first one, but before we really get underway, I just wanted to do a brief review over the things that we talked about last time. Belief is such an important factor in our success, and sometimes we just have to be reminded of why we can believe in what we're trying to accomplish. Some of the things we talked about, and again, I'm not going to go over them in the same kind of depth as before, something they can go back and review, but some of the things that we talked about is how achieving a big goal often requires, and almost every time requires, something happening that seems to be outside of your control. It might be people who need to do things or make choices that you do not have direct control over or getting resources that you don't immediately have. There's stress about other concerns that we struggle with while we're trying to achieve big goals. So every worthy goal or accomplishment is technically, on paper, impossible, or it would seem to be. And so the good news is, and a a reminder, is that it is possible. It is possible, but you need to realize that what you're trying to accomplish, because so much of it is out of your direct control, is bigger than you. And it's a good thing to recognize your dependence on something bigger than you and accomplishing it. That's what faith is all about. It's it's believing in something that you can't see, believing that you have unseen help. I believe in God and believing that God is interested in your success. If it's a good thing that you're trying to accomplish, there is a grand influence trying to orchestrate those good things. And by wanting to achieve something good in your life, you're just asking to participate in something good that's already trying to happen. So often I feel like we get stuck thinking that nothing's going to happen unless we initiate it. Nothing's going to happen unless we are making it happen ourselves. But sometimes just having a shift of mindset that those good things are already needing to happen. There are already people in the world praying for answers, the kind of answers that you have, the kind of solutions that you know you have. And so there is this movement, there is this desire for those revelations to take place in their life. There's that desire for them to find those answers. So they're already seeking it. So when you have a desire to achieve a certain goal in your business, in your family life, in your personal life, whatever it might be, what you're really doing is saying, you know what, I want to be a part of that miracle, that movement that's already taking place. I want to participate in that. And so while we feel like we're starting from scratch and that nothing's happening without us, the reality is that a lot is happening without you. And by choosing to believe, you get to be a part of it. So that's some of the things that we talked about. We also talked about the solution to whatever challenge you face already exists. It's already in your environment somewhere. And by setting our goals properly and having the right mindset, we align with it and those things are brought to us at the right time. So we talked about how failure is just feedback. And it's important when you have setbacks or failures to 
look at them and instead of allowing yourself to be devastated by it and spend a lot of time wallowing in it, to recognize it as feedback. It's just feedback and say, well, that's interesting. What can I learn from that? One of my mentors, especially at a time where we were struggling in a very significant way, said, you've got to learn how to fail efficiently. Fail quickly. Failure is part of success. Without failure, we would not succeed. And anybody who has achieved any kind of significant success has experienced failure. And so if you feel failure, if you experience failure, you're on the right track, especially as you learn to fail efficiently. Look at it, learn from it, and then get to work applying what you've learned. So some other things that we talked about is that what you think you need probably isn't exactly what you need. I know a bunch of you have posted questions or concerns or situations, and whatever problem you're facing, whatever challenge that you've been dealing with, it's really easy to say, well, if only I had this solved, everything would be better. Or if only I had that answer, everything would be better. But we have to remember that what we think we need is probably not exactly what we need. The reality, you know, we think we need people who will take more action. We need greater selves or we need people who are motivated to stay engaged even after they've had setbacks. Or we think we need people who are committed. We think we need all these things and people with certain qualities, but what we really need is the idea that we take action on, the thoughts, the things to say, and all of those come to us when we ourselves are in the right mindset. And so it always boils down to what's our mindset? What's your mindset today as you face challenges, as you face the same kinds of challenges over and over and over again? That's awesome. You know why? Because that shows you exactly where you're at and what needs adjusting. And again, it's less about adjusting what you do as it always, 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 always is about adjusting how you think because how you think determines what you're going to do. How you think determines what you're going to say. How you think determines who you're going to talk to. How you think determines how quickly you're going to fail. <laughs> Get back up again. All of it comes back to mindset. And so these are some of the things that we talked about last time. And I I want to expand on that a little bit. But most importantly, I kept getting this feeling that we needed to talk about a certain concept that is not easily discussed just in audio. There is a visual aid that goes with it. And so while you're listening, if you can go get that document and have it ready, it'll be a little while before we get to it. So there's some time. Even better if you can print it before we get there. Pull it up if you can. And if you can't get to it, and if you can't print it, at the end of the call, I will give a link where I describe this visual aid in a video for free online that they can review. Awesome. All right. So the last call was all about belief and how sometimes we hesitate to believe in our goal because we don't know if it's going to happen. But it's so important to remember that the way these principles work is that we don't believe because something's going to happen. Something happens because we believed. And there is a true and literal cause and effect with your choosing to believe in something. And you really only have to experience it once to recognize the power of it to recognize that, oh my goodness, 
the way I thought, the way I chose to think about that thing actually had an effect on what happened. And there's not a lot of time to uh, get into helping you have that experience if you haven't had it before. There's a lot of resources to help you have that. I know both of my books have been provided to you for free, The Jacobit Factor and Hidden Treasures. That will help you if you haven't read those yet. But what happens once you do have the belief and you've set the goal and you've taken the time to visualize yourself enjoying it, if you remember from the last call how important that was to take the time to pause pause your life and imagine yourself enjoying the result of that goal, I encouraged you not to set a money goal. I encouraged you not to necessarily set a goal to cross stage at a certain rank. Not that those are bad goals. They are not. Those are awesome goals. But I would rather see those be goals that you accomplish on the way to what you really wanted. Why do we want the rank? Well, because it's supposed to represent a certain kind of lifestyle, a certain kind of family life that we get to enjoy. Why do we want the money goal? Well, because that's supposed to represent paying off the bills or getting the vehicle that works or something that you enjoy more or taking that vacation. As a reminder, and this is so important, an example of why is that the story I shared about the 150 stickers we'd been told when we were working on building a business that if we only showed 150 presentations, we would be earning $2,000 a month residual. That would have changed our world if we could have been making $2,000 a month. And so we had been told that if you show 150 plans, that's how much you'll be making because nobody had ever showed that many and not made that much. And so we did. We set the goal by creating a, a card with 150 squares. And each time we showed a presentation, we put a smiley face sticker in the square. And when we'd filled it up, we weren't making any money any more than when we'd started. And I was so frustrated and angry and uh, just wanted to throw my hands up again. It's like my life, the way I look every two weeks, just like I'm throwing up my hands again. For about seven years, this was going on. And so I realized, though, in the long run, that I had achieved my goal. What was my goal? My goal was to fill up that card with 150 stickers. I achieved the goal. So I should have been celebrating. But what I didn't realize is that I was really hoping for the money that went with the goal. And even beyond that, I wasn't just hoping for the money. I was hoping for the lifestyle that I thought that money was going to get me. And so you'll find you will achieve your goals. You'll achieve whatever it is that you envision yourself uh, achieving. Allow yourself to feel it, experience it as though it's already happened because your subconscious mind cannot distinguish the difference between an experience that is real and one that is imagined. And when it feels it, when you've turned it over through that process, of experiencing it and feeling it and telling it, this is my new truth, then it subconsciously is helping you by paying attention to your environment. And if it sees in your environment that it doesn't match the vision that you've handed it, then it gets to work for you on aligning things up and calling your attention over here and reminding you to say this or telling you to say that. It puts you on the path to actually experiencing it in real life because it sees this is the new truth. And I've got to help her or him get to that. The problem is when we have set a goal for a rank advancement and we go and get that rank advancement, but we didn't bother telling our subconscious mind how we wanted that to look, translating that into our lifestyle. And so I just encourage you to take the time, take even one minute in your day to close your eyes and meditate on what it's going to feel like to have accomplished that goal, whatever it might be. 
Now, here's where it all comes together. If you've got a dream that your lifestyle looks a certain way, maybe it's in a home in a nicer neighborhood, a safer neighborhood for your children. Maybe it's a car that you can depend on. Maybe it's a second car if you only have one. Maybe it's putting your kids in college so that they can have all the education that they want. Whatever it is, then as you imagine having that and how good it feels to have it, number one, you're turning that truth over to your subconscious mind and saying, help me get to work on this. Help me know what to say. Help me know what to do. Then later in the day, it might say, you really ought to put up a sign on your wall that says, I am, and then a rank name. I am at that rank. Now, do you see the difference? You didn't start with, I am at that rank as your ultimate goal. You started with what the goal is supposed to do for you. And then backtracking in, uh, once you've set the big goal, the lifestyle goal, the whole purpose for what you're trying to do goal, then you're going to more naturally know what the best steps are to get you there. And it's probably going to include a rank advancement. It's probably going to include certain money goals. But you don't just put the money goals on the wall. You don't just put the rank on the wall without really being clear on why and what it's all for. Or, you know, like us, you'll set a money goal and you'll achieve it, but what you didn't plan for was the medical bills that far exceeded the money goal you set. And so you're no farther ahead than when you started. So that's good stuff. Now, once you have set a goal that you are excited about and you've taken the time to imagine it and feel it and allow yourself to experience it. And then if you remember from the last call how important it is, you don't have to focus on it constantly. You don't have to be feeling it constantly. Just feel it for a minute or two. Done. Check it off the list. Now the trick is to keep doubt and fear away. A little bit of faith, as long as there's no doubt, is enough. It doesn't have to be the super hot, intense, passionate, oh, I'm going to go get that, you know. I mean, that's great. But the, the truth of it is it's not sustainable and you'll burn out and then you'll be discouraged and then you'll feel like, oh, I don't have the energy to do that again. And it's not necessary. You don't have to run faster. Then you really have strength. And we are all busy people. We have families. We have lives. We have friends and people who need us to be us. You know, don't be the MLM robot. You need to be a real person and be who you are. Be who you are and set your goals. So with the goals set, the struggle now is to keep the doubt away. Those of you who were on the call last time, you did this. You took the time to imagine what you were trying to accomplish. You felt it. You felt it. Now ask yourself, how long did it take before life and reality challenged that hope? How long did it take before uh, you started thinking, man, I want to believe, but gosh, I just, nothing seems to be any different. And that fast, that fast it died. Well, I just want to remind you the process is still real. The process is still true. It still works, and it's going to work for you if and whenever you really apply yourself to it. But here's the thing. I've noticed that for me and for most everybody else on the planet, some of the things that cause us to fall off that wagon or to get off track after planting the seed are, number one, might be fear because you've planted the seed and all of a sudden somebody popped into your head that you need to talk to and you're like, oh, not them. I don't think I can talk to them. I wouldn't know what to say. And boom, already you're entertaining fear. 
that's how fragile these dream seeds are. They are fragile, but they are also forgiving. When you catch yourself feeling fear, when you catch yourself feeling doubt, you can think one of two things. You can either think, oh, man, I just killed the seed. <sighs> I'm going to start over. I guess I'll have to start over. Okay, or, and this is what I like to do, oh, you know, that's interesting. I just, I just recognized I had some fear. I had some doubt. I choose to believe that my goal is still in process. It's still progressing. It's still growing. It's still a seed that is sprouting. And even though I've got some things to overcome, I believe that all the resources and people that are part of that picture are still being orchestrated. So even while you're struggling, believe that those processes are still underway. Most people think, oh, man, I blew it. This is never going to work for me. Ah, okay, right then and there is where you decide if it's still underway for you or not. And you can choose to say, you know what, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got challenges. Even those who succeed, think of who you look up to. And that person has had more than their fair share of bad days. It's a constant struggle, and yet it's a joyful struggle especially when you understand the principles that you can rely on. You have a bad day, you have a bad week, you might have a bad year, I've had those. But whatever it is, you can look to the different laws to help you remember all the support, all the principles that are there to help you accomplish it anyway. For example, the law of rhythm from the book Hidden Treasures that describes that. The law of rhythm says that life is going to have its ups and downs. The tide comes in and out. The sun goes up and down. It's natural. It's life. It's rhythm. And so if you're having a bad day or a bad week, so many of us get caught in this, oh my gosh, my life is just going downhill. I can't see the end of this pit. Where is it going? It's just going worse and worse and worse. Well, we wouldn't get to the edge of the shoreline and have the tide go out and fret and worry that the ocean is drying up. We know it's coming back. And so if we can start doing that in our own life experiences, oh man, this is a bad day. Here's what I do now. If I recognize consciously, oh my gosh, this is a really bad day. Right in that moment, I remember that law of rhythm and I say, oh man, that means that means there's some good times coming. I'm going to look forward to those. And I start imagining what those good times are going to look like. And look forward to that. And as you imagine those images, you know, and you visualize that experience, you're just helping to facilitate that experience faster. It's going to come. As long as you don't quit, it's bound to come. But you're going to have these ebbs and flows, and that's normal. And so the trick about belief is not belief because it's easy, but belief no matter what. It means that when things are really bad, the law of polarity says that as bad as it is, is how truly good it really is in disguise. As Napoleon Hill said, that every adversity contains within it the seed of equal or greater benefit. And that is true. And so um, I remember my mentor years ago was Bob Proctor, and he said that when he was young, he was in a room with, I want to say Earl Nightingale. I'm not sure if that's exactly who he was with at the time, but he was with a mentor in a room full of people. And at the time he was sick, he was broke, he was addicted to smoking, he just felt like he was in a this loser place. And the speaker looked around the room and he pointed at Bob and he said, Bob, you are the luckiest man in the room. He looked around and he thought, I do not feel very lucky at all. What are you talking about? And he says, the person with the greatest challenges has the greatest opportunity. 
have the greatest opportunity. And I think about when he shared that with us, we were feeling like he had felt at that time. We felt like we were the only ones that were doing everything we could and nothing was working. Nothing was working. But what it's turned into is an understanding, an empathy, an empathy. If you're in a people business, how important is it to develop some empathy? If you've set a goal for a certain rank or a lifestyle, like I said, and you're experiencing a lot of opposite than what you thought you'd get by setting the goal, thank heavens for it because you're being prepared to lead a group of all kinds of people. You're being prepared to be able to connect with and empathize with those who struggle. And by being the example who sees it for what it is and persists anyway, you become the kind of person that God can send you people to lead. It's part of the process. And so whoever feels like they have it the hardest is the most fortunate in truth. And so fear of what we need to do next, frustration with how long it's taking, impatience that people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's being spread too thin, having too many things going on that battle for your time. In those moments is when you are claiming that success. When things are going well, that's not when you succeed. It's very ironic that when you're succeeding is not when you're really succeeding. When you succeed, true success comes from having a challenge and thinking right anyway. Having the challenge and choosing to think right about it anyway. That's when you prove your success. That's when you really claim what's coming, what's going to be yours to enjoy. Being exhausted, being different than how you want to be. These are all things that get us falling off the belief bandwagon. And so I've realized that in my life, all those years that we struggled and all those years we listened to seminars and attended events and read books and listened to audios and everything, trying to get our thinking right, because we were convinced it had everything to do with our thinking. We were absolutely convinced. Some of you may not know this, but at one of my darkest moments, I uh, came outside and and saw that some kid had broken my room in half. And because of my mindset, because of where my thinking was, it sent me over the edge and I called the police on the kid who broke my broom. Two years later, I called the police on a five-year-old who stole cookie dough out of my fridge. You talk about the people in your group who just struggle with mindset. It could be worse. (laughs) It could be worse. Think about the law of relativity. It could be worse. But just understand, everybody is where they're at because that's where they're at. And the next place beyond that, it's a process through the challenges to uh, apply the principles, apply what you know about the seven laws, recognize that there is rhythm in life, there are ebbs and flows, and just ride them, enjoy them, be grateful for them. On those bad days, get on your knees and thank God for a bad day because it means there's something good in it and you want to have your eyes opened to see what that is, and you'll find it. So... Through all of this, the thing that got my husband and I that interrupted that negative thinking path for us, and we still have our bad days, that just doesn't go away. But what's changed is I look at those bad days differently now than I ever did before. I give myself permission to have a bad day. I give myself permission to be in a bad mood sometimes, all the while choosing to believe that it's not going to kill the dream seed, that everything I need is still on its way, but I allow myself those moments because Without the um, discouragement, we would never know victory. You have to understand the opposites in order to experience the good side of it. You have to understand 
defeat to understand winning. You have to understand sadness to understand happiness. It's all a package deal. And so being grateful for the downsides gives you the capacity to appreciate the upside. And not only that, but when you can feel gratitude in the down, trusting that the ebb and flow is going to naturally come no matter how you choose to think, a good day is coming whether or not you deserve one. (laughs) I promise you. You, a good day is coming whether or not you deserve one. So knowing that they're coming, look forward to them. Be grateful for the bad ones. It helps you appreciate the good ones. There is a visual aid, and we're going to get to this now. And this is the visual aid that changed everything for my husband and I. And before I bust that out and, and walk you through it, I want to help you understand why it was so powerful for me. If I were to ask you, and don't get your pencils out for this piece. This is just a mind exercise. If I were to ask you, what is the sum of 6,452,795.07 and 76,352,451.95? Do you have the answer to that? Is it a difficult problem? Well, considering that it's just thrown out, yeah, it feels difficult. It feels impossible, but... If there was like a time to like process and maybe use a calculator, okay, is it? Yeah, is it calculus to add two numbers of seven or eight digits long each? No. So technically, it's a simple problem, right? Yeah, but it feels overwhelming. It feels hard. True. Yeah. Yep. So success and the principles that go into it is the same way. It's very simple. It's so simple. But it feels overwhelming. It feels like there's too much to keep track of, too many numbers to keep in place, too many things to remember. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's simple, but why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? If I were to give you a pen and a paper and read it to you slowly and have you write down the problem, would you be able to solve it in the next 10 minutes? Totally. Yeah, easy, right? Simple problem. Mm -hmm. Now, what if I were to give you a pencil and say, okay, Brianna, write this down. What is the sum of six million, blah, 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 and I start reading it off, and you start with your pencil writing (laughs) W-H-A-T-I-S-T-H-E-S-U-M, what is the sum of, and then you start writing the number S-I-X-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D, and you're writing it all out. And you wrote the whole problem out like that. Easy or hard to solve? That's going to be pretty hard to solve. So what could you do to it to make it easier? Make the words numbers. There you go. Symbols. Symbols reduce large ideas down to uh, a bite-sized concept that you can understand at a glance, right? And mm-hmm. so... As my husband and I, we were attending all those seminars, more than 100, we counted. Along comes Bob Proctor, and he's a guest speaker at one of our events, and he shared with us this stigma concept that I'm going to share with you guys really fast because we only have about 23 minutes left. But as he shared this with us, the lights went on. My husband and I turned to each other. Our mouths dropped open. We're like, that's all it is. That's all it takes. And in three months, we tripled our income. And this is after seven years of being being the one in that person's group who just struggled more than anyone else in the world. You know what I mean? 
Uh, you look at the person in your group who is struggling the most but is trying, who is struggling the most, but they're the ones showing up, struggling the most, but they're opening their mouths. They're trying, just nothing's working, right? Think of them as I describe this next piece to you. It made all the difference. That's why I call it the visual aid that changed everything. And I ended up training with Bob to facilitate his programs, and that's why I do what I do eventually is just teaching what I teach because of what we learned from Bob. But go ahead and open up the documents that you guys received from the link. Okay, so this is actually just a little excerpt from a program that I wrote called The Profitable Author. This piece is applicable to anyone, and so you can just ignore that mention of the author thing. The program for authors, basically, I just tell people how we developed a six-figure income giving our book away for free. And so that's a lot of fun for anybody who is writing a book and wants to generate an income from it because that's a world of its own, the publishing world. But take your paper out. It says at the top, getting it done. The first blank says the part of your mind that. And what I want you to fill in there says the part of your mind that sets the goal. And you may need to finish the sentence down below. But the part of your mind that sets the goal is not the same part of the mind that accomplishes the goal. So you've got two parts of your mind. One part sets the goal, but it's the other part that has to accomplish the goal. And too many of us try to set and accomplish the goal with the same part of our mind, and it just doesn't work. And so here we go. There's four figures there, and we're going to talk about the top left one. The first part of the mind, this is just a symbol for how our mind works. I told you that in math, symbols make difficult concepts easy to understand. So the first part of your mind is in the top part of that upper circle called the conscious part of your mind. This is the part of your mind that is aware. It has awareness. It's aware that you're in this room right now, that you know that you know something. It's the conscious part of you. This part of you, now skip over to the top right figure where it's got the plus and minus. This is the part of your mind that adds meaning to experiences that you have. So in other words, if you come home from dropping your kids off somewhere and there's a note on the door, that note on the door is meaningless until you read what the note says and determine if that note is a good thing or a bad thing. But on a fundamental level, the note just is. It could even be a bill, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative thing. In other words, say you go and there's a bill, you get a bill and it says, this is past due. Most of us think, oh, well, that's bad. But it's important to recognize that it's your conscious mind that determined if it was bad or good. But on a fundamental level, that bill just is what it is. It's not good or bad until you assign meaning to it on a conscious level. Well, how could that be a good thing? It could be, hey, I'm getting ready to go out of town for three weeks and I didn't know this was past due. I am so glad they notified me today because I can take care of this before I leave and then I won't have a big mess when I come home. And even if you don't have the money to pay it right then, it gives you an opportunity to make a phone call and, and make arrangements. So that bill could be a positive thing by your choice. The next figure down the bottom left, this represents your ability for your conscious mind to have the ability to accept or reject ideas. And if you notice, the words next to the figure is just kind of highlighting what that symbol represents. An idea comes into your mind or a thought or 
something you see or something you hear. It comes into your mind, and your conscious mind has the ability to accept or reject it. You listening to me right now, that stick figure could be you, and as you listen to the things I'm telling you, you might be consciously rejecting the things I say. Maybe it doesn't fit with your belief system. Maybe you have had experiences that don't match what I'm talking about, and so you're consciously choosing to reject that. But whether you are or not, that's a conscious choice. Now, the fourth figure down there on the bottom right, this represents our conscious mind's ability to create a new idea. This is what we did when I gave you a minute or so of quiet to imagine yourself experiencing the success that you want to experience. As you are creating that picture on the screen of your mind, this is a symbol that represents doing that. So now take it down to the next page. The part of your mind that accomplishes the goal is your subconscious. So back up on the top page, this is the part of your mind that sets the goal. The conscious part of your mind is the part of your mind that sets the goal. Now, page two, the part of your mind that accomplishes the goal is your subconscious. Your subconscious mind does a few things for you. It controls your automatic life-sustaining functions. Its primary job is keeping you alive and keeping you safe. And so if it perceives danger, it's going to do things to help you be out of danger. For example, if you're at a movie that is a horror movie and there's a monster about to eat the person, your subconscious mind perceives a true threat and it gets your heart beating. It gets your adrenaline flowing. And it's doing all of this because it literally perceives a threat to your life and it's giving you the chemicals necessary to flee. And so here is another demonstration that it cannot distinguish the difference between an experience that is real and one that is not real. It just does whatever it thinks is necessary to keep you alive. It keeps your heart beating all day long. It keeps you breathing through the night. These are your automatic life-sustaining functions. And so it's a good thing. Our subconscious mind is good. However, it does not accept or reject ideas. It doesn't judge. That's the filter right above it that is handled on the conscious level. It's also the center for your emotions. Your emotional experiences are recorded in the subconscious mind. And so when I told you to imagine your success, imagine the goal achieved, and allow yourself to feel it, what you're really doing is you've got that little idea cloud that you've created an idea, and now you're turning that idea over to the subconscious mind as a new truth. As a new truth. In some cultures, it's referred to as the heart or the spirit. Now, the role of the third part of your mind, there are three parts. You've got your conscious, your subconscious, and down there in the bottom is the body. The body is a tool of the mind. And that's the third part of your mind. It's the tool. This is where your behaviors are manifest. This is where your health conditions are manifest. This is the part of you that determines how people will respond to you. And I'm not just talking about how you dress and what you say, but it's the feeling people get when they're with you. You know, on a molecular level, everything in the world is vibrating. If you were to look at something under a microscope, there's motion. It's an ocean of motion on a molecular level. And our bodies are doing that as well. And when we have positive emotions, our body vibrates at a different rate or in a different way than when we have negative emotions. And so people feel that around you. Words are noise. Vibrations never lie. Words are noise, but vibrations never lie. 
And so to fill in some of these blanks, this is a law of vibration, how to reduce the amount of energy required to accomplish the goal, law of vibration. All things in the universe are in a state of vibration. We control our vibration by controlling our thoughts. And a feeling is nothing more than a conscious awareness of a particular vibration. I'll read through those again. Law of vibration. All things in the universe are in a state of vibration. We control our vibration by controlling our thoughts. A feeling is nothing more than a conscious awareness of a particular vibration. So, next page. And I know we're cruising, but hopefully this will give you something you can ponder upon. And again, I will give you that link where I talk about this a little bit more in depth. So we've got these three parts of our mind, the conscious, the subconscious, and the body all working together. And in order to achieve a goal, all three of them have to be in agreement with each other. Not that goals can't be achieved without that, but it just goes so much better and so much easier if they're lined up. So James Allen said, the outer conditions of a person's life will always be found to be harmoniously related to his inner state. So in this image above the quote, you see there's an arrow coming out of the body place. At the end of that arrow, I want you to draw a big capital R to stand for results. The outer conditions, or your results, will always be found to be harmoniously related to his inner state, your subconscious mind. Men do not attract that which they want, but that which they are. So do you see why it's important for your conscious mind that sets the goal to not be the same part of your mind that tries to accomplish it? Because your results, no matter what you're thinking on the conscious level, your results will always be a reflection of what's going on in the subconscious mind. And we're going to talk about how to get that lined up. Moving down, we attract or connect to people situations, lifestyle, and opportunities, but only those which are in harmony with our personal vibration. We repel all other varieties. There are two factors that determine which programs will run in your subconscious mind. The first factor are thoughts repeated often, and two, thoughts that are charged with emotion which is really kind of important because how often do you look at life the way it is and get really, really frustrated with it? A lot of emotional energy around what you are not excited about. Do you love the dream of where you're going more intensely than you hate life as it is? Because the dominant emotion is going to win. So, again, two factors determine the programs. Thoughts repeated often and thoughts that are charged with emotion. So, therefore, there are two ways to change the programs running in your subconscious mind. And again, it's repetition or emotion or a combination of both, ideally. I know some people that just really struggle with putting an image on the screen of their mind of their own invention and getting emotional about it. It's just really hard to do. They just struggle to figure that out. And I say, that's okay. It doesn't matter because you can accomplish the same thing through affirmations, through repetition, through verbally saying out loud or reading statements that describe what you're trying to accomplish. You can uh, do that often enough and it will have the same effect. It's a little slower, but you say it often enough and your subconscious mind will begin to believe it. And once it begins to believe, then you'll find it's easier to feel it as you imagine it. So next page. 
Your subconscious mind cannot distinguish the difference between an experience that is real and one that is imagined. We've said that before. So it's important to know the difference between being busy and thinking in order to avert unnecessary setbacks. Busyness and thinking. You know, I bring this up because when I first met Bob in between sessions at an event, I stood in line to meet him and he had this thing where he would tell people just by looking at them whether they were right or left-brained and I just thought that was kind of an interesting circus trick. I wanted to see what he'd say. And he says, you know, you're primarily creative. you got a good, good balance between both sides, but you're mostly creative. And I just thought, oh, pff, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm a math major. I'm always thinking. I'm always analyzing. I'm always looking at my situation and processing it, rethinking it. I'm rehashing things. I'm just thinking about things over and over and over again. His reply to that was, you're not thinking. I'm like, excuse me? He said, you're not thinking. Your mind is busy, but you're not thinking. And I thought, what in the world did he mean by that? And I spent the next year processing, <laughs> rehearsing over and over and over again. What did he say that for? What did he mean by that? Blah, blah, blah. Finally figured it out, and this is what he meant. This next image, if you see at the top of the little head there, it's got five antennas. Those represent our five senses. We see, hear, taste, touch, smell. And you see over it on the right-hand side, it says X results. Whatever our results are, we're going to use like a math term X, meaning whatever the results are, that arrow arching back up to the top of the head is where we use our five senses to take in data about our results. We're looking at our checkbook. We're looking at the home we live in. We're experiencing certain conversations with our family members. Whatever our results look like, we take that in through our five senses and we think about them on a conscious level. That's what the X up at the top is. Well, the more we think about the way things are, that's repetition, or if we are emotionally triggered by what's happening, that's emotion. Those are two two ways that that condition is reinforced in our subconscious mind. We're telling our subconscious mind, this is safe for me. This is my truth. I'm broke, and it's true, and it's safe. That's what we're really saying when we think about it often or when we add emotion, whether it's negative or positive to it, adding emotion puts it in the subconscious mind. And in the subconscious mind, that's the part of us that controls our vibration in the body. By law, our body will vibrate according to the concepts and the ideas and the feelings that are going on in the subconscious mind. And so you see that X goes back down there into the body. And by law, our results will be a reflection of what went on in the subconscious mind. Oh, look, more of the same. And so the more you rehearse the way things already are, and the more you think about the way things are, the more you're just busy. Your mind is busy, but you're not thinking. The next line says when and how to turn off the part of your mind that sets the goal. All right, so this is why we want to turn off the conscious mind, is if the results we have, we don't like. We've got to turn that off before we try to accomplish the goal. Instead, we want to turn on the subconscious mind, and we're going to do it through thinking. You see that little cloud over on the left? That represents thinking, creating a new idea. We're going to call the new idea why, the why that says life is abundant for me. I have a huge organization. Money flows frequently to me in increasing quantities on a continual basis. People want what I have. So that's the new idea that you want to experience. And so as you imagine it, 
and you think about it on a conscious level and you allow yourself to answer the question, how is that going to feel? Either you think about it often enough or you let yourself feel it. In either case, it's going to put it in the subconscious mind as a new idea. And that new truth that the subconscious mind does not reject because it doesn't judge, remember, it does not judge. It says, oh, this is my new truth? Interesting. And it changes your vibration. It changes the words that are going to come out of your mouth the next time you're talking to a prospect. It just does. It changes the way people feel around you. It changes the way your group follows you. And your results will be a reflection of that new idea. Now, that's all simple, right? It looks all simple, but here's how it really looks. So this is how we ought to pass the persistence test. Last page, how to pass the persistence test. So here we have three little stick people. In the bottom left image, I want you to put an X in the conscious mind, an X in the subconscious mind, and an X in the body. Because we know that when all three of these are entertaining an X idea, our results will be of the X variety. Now, we want to change it, say we don't like that. And so what we do is we think instead on how we want things to be. We have a little Y. We place a Y in the thinking cloud at the next figure to the, the right in the middle there. So you put a Y there. Now, here's the thing. In the conscious mind, don't stick it right in the center of the conscious mind. Stick it just barely to one side or the other, but keep the X in there. The X is still there. The X is still in the subconscious and the X is still in the body, but make them little because we're going to be adding some extra stuff to the space. So you've got a Y in the cloud and you've got an X in the conscious, X in the subconscious, and X in the body. Next to the X in the conscious, put a Y because this means you're spending some time consciously thinking about what it's going to be like to have the new life, the new experience, the greater success. Through repetition and or through emotion, you turn that over to the subconscious mind. And so now there is an X and a Y in the subconscious mind as well. Now, we're going to move over to the next figure. In this next figure, keep a Y in the conscious mind, but don't put an X. You're kind of too busy thinking about where you're going and what you're doing and excited about where you're headed. In the subconscious, put an X and a Y. Now, by law, by universal law, the thoughts and feelings of your subconscious mind are going to control the kind of condition your body is in, uh, the kind of vibration that you're in. So in the body of this third figure, put X and Y. Here's a problem, though. So X might be we never have enough money. Y might be we have an abundance of money. And they contradict each other. And so... It's like having two vibrations happening at the same time that are discordant with each other. It's like playing a wrong note in the middle of a beautiful piece. It just, oh, something feels wrong. It just doesn't feel right because it's conflicting with what's already there. Now, when that happens, and we go to take action, this dotted line to the right of that third stick man represents taking action because once you take action and you break through that dotted line. That dotted line is a terror barrier. It means doing something that's scary. 
It means making that phone call that you really don't want to make. There's three lines right below that third figure. When your body is experiencing two vibrations at the same time, it's going to have anxiety. Put that on the first line. Fear. It's going to have another negative feeling. The third one might be dis-ease. D-I-S dash ease. It's not at ease. Something feels wrong. It feels wrong. And most people, when they go to take action after having set a goal effectively and successfully in their subconscious mind, they go to take action and their body is like, something's not right. It feels wrong. It feels wrong. And so instead, what happens is they hit that wall, they hit the terror barrier, and instead of taking action and busting through it, draw an arrow from below the third person back to the first person. And that's called retreating back to a comfort zone. They just want to go back to how they felt before they entertained the new idea because back then there was no conflict, there was no drama, there was no fear, there was no anxiety. They felt completely at ease. They didn't like their life, but at least they felt okay, right? It was comfortable. Now, what we realized is that once we have planted the new idea, once we have entertained the success, imagined it, felt it, got some ideas that said, hey, if you, you know, do this and that's going to get you closer, and we went to take action on it, and we felt that fear, instead of interpreting that fear as, oh my gosh, I'm about to do something bad, or this is wrong, something is wrong here, and retreating, instead of retreating back, we recognized that as what was happening. Oh my goodness, honey, do you feel that? Yeah, so sick. Me too. And instead of being upset about that, we got excited. We're like, you know, we would not be feeling this way if we had not been successful at planting it in the subconscious mind. We never would have had this anxiety if we hadn't been successful at turning it over to the subconscious mind. We've got to let our subconscious mind ride this out. And so in that moment, you take action on the new idea. You do the scary thing. And when you break through, and in the next picture at the bottom, you can recopy all of those same markings on the first three figures but really what we're going for is draw a big arrow through that starburst in the line of the terror barrier draw an arrow through that represents action that represents action and on the other side of it you put a y in the top part of his mind you put a y in his subconscious and you put a teeny little x in the subconscious because it's still there but it's not the program that's running You've turned that program off. You've given it a new program, like in a computer. And down in the body, you've got why. You're in a better vibration. You've succeeded. You've accomplished something scary. And now draw an arrow out from that body and put R for results. And now you've got Y results. Um, I like to put a little Y down next to the bottom right of the R, kind of like instead of RX, as in pharmacy, I put RY because you're living a new life. In the three images above, where you go back to the comfort zone, the results are more of the same, more of the X. The only way to experience Y results is to take action on Y thoughts and Y feelings and those Y subconscious inspired solutions, inspired ideas that says, you know, if you throw this kind of an event together for for these people in your group, this is what this is what will probably happen. And that idea comes to you so subtly, so softly, but it came to you because you had imagined yourself with a larger group. 
and that idea wouldn't have come to you had you not turned over the new idea to your subconscious mind. So this is all really technical stuff, but honestly, it made all the difference because it changed the way we viewed our fears. It changed the way we viewed anxiety when we'd feel it. If you feel nervous before making a phone call, ask yourself, have I spent time imagining myself enjoying the success of my goal? If I have, then I've probably turned the idea over to my subconscious mind, and the subconscious mind is trying to get me to make this phone call, and I'm feeling fear and anxiety. (gasps) That means I'm this close to actually experiencing the results I'm after. That's how close I am. If I'm not feeling fear when I go to take action, then it's probably because the results are going to be the same as what I've already gotten. It's not changing me. It's not stretching me. It's not growing me. And uh, success definitely asks stretching and growing of of you and those that you work with. And so hopefully understanding this terror barrier process will help you see fear. Whenever somebody goes to change their life for the better, whether it's quitting smoking, whether it's weight loss, whether it's growing a business, whether it's increasing their income, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, there is that moment where the new thing feels scary. Even if there's nothing to be afraid of, it feels scary just because your subconscious mind has put your body into two discordant vibrations. That's all it is. It's a physiological response to the subconscious mind's perception that you might be in danger when you really are not in danger. Now, how do you determine if what you're feeling really does mean danger? Well, it's got to make sense consciously. It's got to feel right when you check in with your core values and your spirit. And you'll know, you know, like if I'm sitting on the hood of my car and my husband's going to drive down the street at 60 miles an hour and slam on its brakes just to see what would happen, I'm going to feel some fear, and I should, right? But number one, it doesn't make sense to do that consciously. That's just dumb. The thought of what it's going to do doesn't feel right. That fails that test. And so, sure, there's going to be fear, and there should be. I'm talking about when you go to an event or when you listen to a call like this and you get inspired and you get dreaming and you imagine yourself in the life that you are working towards. You imagine yourself there and it feels right and it expands your soul and your spirit knows this is good. If this happened, it would be good. And you know it deep down and you make a commitment to it and you go to take action on it and you feel anxiety. Oh, okay. Now that's just that physiological thing Leslie told me would happen. Awesome. We're going to take action anyway because I know on the other side of this, I have demonstrated that I'm ready to receive. That's what it is. So we're going to wrap this up. The website to where you can get a little more detailed overview of this stickman concept, there is a video that I posted at the top of this page uh, ready to write this down. It's called ProsperTheFamily.com. ProsperTheFamily.com. There's some good stuff there that will help you understand how you can finally break through. I do want you to have the information and the tools that you need to see a change right here and now. Have a great week. Take care. Bye-bye. This concludes today's episode of the Rare Faith Podcast. You've been listening to Leslie Householder, author of The Jackrabbit Factor, Portal to Genius, and Hidden Treasures, Heaven's Astonishing Help with Your Money Matters. All three books can be downloaded free at a rarekindoffaith.com. So tell your friends and join Leslie again next time 
as she goes even deeper into the principles that will help you change your life. 